Pastor Jason. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast from United Church. We pray that this blesses and encourages you in your walk with God. If you'd like to find more information about our church, including our address, upcoming events, or find a place to give, feel free to visit our website at fergusunited.org. God bless and enjoy the message. Happy New Year to everyone that I didn't see last week. Here we are, a brand new set of months. And I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do. Just to very briefly summarize last week, it's the beginning of the year. I I said that it's really no different than any other day of the year. As far as all the resolutions and fresh commitments. And, you know, the wonderful thing is... If you find yourself in a rut between now and January 1st of next year, you can change habits and behaviors and trajectories at any point in time that you want to. But because it was the beginning of the year, and that's kind of what we do in our culture, you were just encouraged to do four things. Set them as a priority this year. Pray, read your Bible, attend church, and yield to God. And if we'll do those four simple things... We'll be a lot better off 12 months from now than we are right now. So today, um, I'm going to talk about vision. And I told you, I think two years ago, vision's going to be a little bit different. I've always come up in church, and even the first several years of of our church, I, I felt a specific direction each year. And I think that was a part of the progression and getting things established and planted but I, I don't see biblically, and I really don't feel in the Holy Ghost the need to have a new vision every year. Vision is vision. Our church has a purpose, and we need to be steadfast and focused on accomplishing that purpose. We don't want to change, change routes and change directions every 12 months. A couple of scriptures, uh, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, just scriptures regarding vision And these are are familiar passages, but Proverbs 29 and 18 lets us know that where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And I love how that scripture ties God's law to vision, because you can have vision that's not connected to the word of God and still perish. But biblical vision is going to be in line with God's word. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Habakkuk says, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. And I will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And I can relate to that passage of Scripture because the vision that God has given us as a congregation 
is so much larger than where we are presently. It, it goes far beyond just what we're currently seeing. And so some of what I'm going to share today and what we're going to talk about today, it, it seems unrealistic. It seems uh, unfitting for our congregation at the time, but I can go back to Habakkuk and I can relate to a guy in Scripture where the Lord says, listen, I'm giving you a vision and it is for an appointed time. It's not going to, to tarry. So while it is tarrying, wait for it. Um, what is our vision? Before we go to the next slide, what, what is the mission, the vision of our church? It's really simple. I'm sorry? Revival. We do want to have revival. And I'm not setting you up. I, I appreciate you being here today. Joanne's first time in service with us today. She's been listening online for some time. Uh, all right, let's go to the next slide. Our mission, just so we can be perfectly clear, God told him back and write it down, make it plain. Top, a little bit offset to the left. Our mission is to make disciples. Why is that our mission? Because that's what Jesus told us to do. So we don't, I don't have anything more flashy for you today. Other than that, that is the Word of God. I apologize for the formatting between our song show presentation software and PowerPoint. It's a little bit off the screen. Matthew 28, um, 19 and 20 is there on your left. Jesus, before His final ascension off of this earthly realm that we call home, said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's what Jesus said the mission of the church was, to go and to teach, to baptize, and then to further teach. So our, our job is not done at, at conversion and reaching a lost soul and helping them see their need for salvation and teaching them how to attain that and seeing them baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and then off they go on their own. We're instructed to continue teaching. We have to make disciples. The make it plain so that the people can run with it is the rest of the image that you see on the screen because it would be foolish to come in here and say, yeah, let's all get excited our, our job is to make disciples, woohoo! And then we all leave here and we don't know how that's supposed to happen. And so then 12 months later we come back and say, our goal is to make disciples, woohoo! And we're not, we're not getting anywhere. There needs to be a track that we're running on. So there's a process that we want to see implemented in our church. How does it start? It starts with effective evangelism. And I, I'm going to deviate from this screen and we're going to walk through these one by one, but the points that I'm going to make are the points that make their way around this flywheel. So effective evangelism, creating an inviting atmosphere, conducting spirit-led services, sincerely caring for our guests and our members, and providing ministry opportunities. So the very first one, effective evangelism. So when we get to, you can go to the next slide. Effective evangelism. There's a few things that we can do. Um, number one, social media and online presence. It's not an area that I understand well, but it's an area that is probably most effective for us right now. 
We can reach more people with a few things online than we can with all of us coming together for several hours and going out and doing an outreach event. It's just the world in which we live. So with some of this, I'm not just throwing out ideas. Uh, We're going to work toward these things. We're probably going to take some time in our Wednesday nights. We're going to finish the book of Genesis and then maybe bring in some people and do some, some training, some local people, and see how can we effectively utilize social media for the propagation of the gospel, for getting people connected to the church. You know, it seems like people are on one side or, or the other of the fence on social media. Either they hate it and they just point out all the evils and all the bad things, and there's plenty of them, or they love it and, and they use it with reckless abandon. But I see a, a great tool that can be used for reaching lost people with the message of Jesus, if we get smart about it. So we have that community connection. This is something we're going to try to implement during the summer. Again, probably on our Wednesday nights, where we identify a location, probably an apartment building or uh, an area where there's concentrated people, especially children. We're going to go in. We're going to try to be a consistent presence in that area on a weekly basis, not to go in there and say, hey, come to church, come to church, come to church, but to go in there, play kickball with these kids, uh, drink a cup of coffee with the parents while they're getting pie in the face. I don't, I don't care what we do. We're there. And there's churches that have implemented this. It's been a way to build relationships with that community. And all of them that I've been talking to have consistently said, you'd be amazed. Like You don't even bring up church. But after about two weeks, people are going, now where are you from? Why are you here? Because they want to know. And then they're asking, and you tell them, and then you keep drinking your coffee. And you're building relationships. You're, you're in their environment, just like Jesus was, in the environment of, of lost people, for the purpose of impacting them. We want to reach our communities. Really, it comes down to personal invitations. Um, I didn't look up the statistics. I've shared them before. It is staggering, though, the amount of people that are, are in church, what we would call in church, they're, they're consistent, they're faithful, that when you survey them, they were invited by someone. There was a connection. They didn't show up because they got a, a mailer. When's the last time you actually read a mailer that came in the mail? Fully read it. No, we see it and we're like, junk mail, junk mail, junk. bill, junk mail, junk. And we don't even think about it. And so there, we have to be thinking about this but most of the people that are are faithful consistent in church could go back to an individual in their life that said i want you to come to church with me i'll I'll, whatever i gotta do i want to get you there and there was a personal connection and then ultimately bible studies if you are the personal connection you can be the bible study teacher if somebody comes because they got a postcard in the mail you can be the bible study teacher you can teach Bible study. All those things on the wall back there, some of them are prayer guides, which I made point to mention last week too. There's some really good stuff back there. Otherwise, there's a lot of Bible studies. And if you can read, you can teach a Bible study. Amen. So once we invite people, once we get them here, the very next thing, what do we got to do? Let's go to the next slide. Need to create an inviting atmosphere. Have you ever gone to a restaurant or a store and before you ever got your food, before you ever uh, bought
bought your product, you've already made up your mind, you're probably not going to go there again? I have. Because when you walk in, it's just not inviting. It's dirty, or it's not well kept, or it's unprofessional, or people are rude. They say with churches that, that visitors make up their mind whether they're coming back well before the sermon's ever preached. First time visitors. Now that says something because we, we have to do a good job and be good stewards of what God's given us. So these things sound so carnal, but a clean, well-kept building. Say with me, that is evangelism. That is evangelism. So well, that's not evangelism, that's just a job that has to be done. No, that makes a difference when people show up. Having that, that sign out front, and I think there's more we can do with, with the exterior of our building, but inviting signage. You know, just after we, we got in here, and even a few months ago when we went around and we were inviting people to church and we were saying, hey, we're that new building over there and we just want to let you know who we are. It was about 50-50 of people who knew who we were because they took the time to look us up online and people that had no idea what this building was. That, that's because there wasn't inviting signage. There wasn't something clearly saying, listen, this is who we are, and we would love to have you stop in. Warm greetings. That's everybody's job. If we're going to err on one side or the other, let people leave and say, man, they really shook my hand too much. Boy, if I see one more smile... Because people need to be greeted warmly when they come in. And that's, that's difficult because sometimes we're just, we're busy. We're coming in, we're getting things ready, we're doing stuff, we're getting our families organized, we're, we're this and that and the other thing, and now it's time for church, and boom. And, and we can just walk by people, or we can just, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And warm, great, hey, man, I'm so glad you're here. What's your name? Who's this you got? Okay, what's going on? That's important. We need to create that atmosphere. Attend and participate in all fellowship, outreach, and fundraising events. That's important. You know why we have those events? Because we're trying to create a, a welcoming atmosphere. When we have a fellowship, we have a fifth Sunday, or we have something going on on a Wednesday night, that's an excellent opportunity to go back to the last slide and make a personal invitation. Hey, we've got this, we got a pilot coming up on church on Sunday. You don't have to bring anything. I just want you to come and be my guest. And then stay for the potluck and eat and fellowship and play games and make it a fun and inviting atmosphere. People's mindset this day and age of church is so wrong from what it is. Because they think church and they think, you know, stiff back chairs, and you go and you sit and you be really quiet. And, and there's a couple songs, and then somebody's preaching at you, and then you, you leave. And the, the element of community that we read about in Scripture, true, genuine, biblical fellowship, is not even a part of what they associate with church. So it needs to be refreshing, a refreshing difference when people come into our church that they see that there is connection, there's fellowship, there's people that are engaging with one another and some of these dovetail together. When we get to uh, benevolence and caring for one another, we're going to talk about that a little more. Next slide. Conduct spirit-led services. 
We can have the most inviting atmosphere that, that you could ever dream up. And that's not going to be enough. It's important. That's our part. But we still need God moving. That's what changes people's lives. I, I found a, a neat thing. I need some help. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Rudy, can you help me? I can try. I got you. I want you to face everybody else. And I want you to hold this really still. Okay? I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Get still. Now look at it. And in your mind, don't move your hand. In your mind, I want you to envision this screw moving back and forth between me and you. Don't, don't move your hand, though. Okay, now I want you to change it up, and I want you to see see it moving this way. Oh, that's weird. Now, in your mind, I want you to see this screw moving in, in, in little circles like that right there. Can you do that? Just do, you don't have to move your hand, just just with your with your eyes. Now they're they're small movements, so everybody couldn't see, but did this screw do what was going on in your mind? It felt like it. At times. It felt like it? Somebody else come help me out. Anybody? Somebody come help me. Shall we pray to dismiss or is somebody gonna come help me? Thank you so much. Hold that in your hand. Very still. Do a different order this time. Let's get really still. I want you to think about it going back and forth. Pull up at the front door. Don't move your hand. How about circles? Think about think about it moving in circles. Hold your hand still. Now why does that happen? You said, are you psychic? I don't think you're psychic. I'm not a magician. Well, what's going on there? Well, the fact is your body is communicating. And, and even though you're trying to say to do two different things, what you're anticipating, every cell in your body is communicating at, at some level. And what's going on in your mind is affecting what's going on in your hand. Even with, with an attempt at physical restraint, there are micro-movements that, that begin to take place, and that thing's not moving because you're, you're, what do they call it, telepathic? You're not pushing it with the, you know... No, it, it's just because your hand is moving. Because what you anticipate, what, what you have on your mind, it affects what you do. It affects your behavior. So when I got on there at the very beginning, anticipate a move of God, every one of us came into this service today with some kind of preconceived idea about what it was going to be like. How many songs are we going to be? We're going to open in prayer. You know, we, we kind of think we know what's going to happen. Unfortunately, many times we base our anticipation on what happened last week and the week after that and the week after that. Rather than allowing our anticipation to be based on the fact that we're coming into the presence of a God who can do anything. And there's sick people here. Oh, man. And we're, we're coming into the presence of a God who can, who can save souls. And, and, and there's people who, they haven't got the Holy Ghost yet. 
Oh man, I'm, I'm co- and, and then now all of a sudden my, my mentality begins to change. My approach to the service begins to change. It's going to affect the way I worship. It's going to affect the way I respond to the word. It's going to re- re- uh, yeah, affect everything that I do because I'm anticipating something great to take place. Expectation matters. Come prepared for ministry. Come prepared for ministry. Every one of us. I don't, I don't have the ability to show up on Sunday and say, boy, I sure hope God gives me something to say to the people. Now, sometimes he changes it up and he messes with me. And I think he does it just because he knows it pushes me out of my comfort zone. Or somebody walks in who needs a, a word and God gives that word. But for the most part, before I ever show up on Sunday, I'm prepared to preach to you. Right? Sister Brooks comes in here and she doesn't walk behind the piano and say, let's just see what happens. She's smart enough to turn this off. She's got a plan. She's got a song set. And if God decides to move in a different way, he can change these things anytime he wants to. But, But we show up prepared for ministry. That's not just what happens up here. When you show up for Sunday school and you have Sunday school, the, the lesson has been read and there, there's things that have to be printed off and there's preparation that needs to take place. We have to show up prepared to serve. But that goes beyond what we call ministry. Running the computer, teaching Sunday school, preaching, singing, all of these things. Show up prepared for ministry is show up prepared to serve. So when I walk into the house of God, if my eyes see a need, then I'm going to try my best to meet that need. I'm going to minister to someone through an encouraging word. I'm going to minister to somebody by laying a hand on them and praying for them. I'm going to minister to to people by by being there for them and, and back to fellowship and back to being warm and inviting. Be on time for prayer. Prayer is important. This Sunday morning is a, a prime example of how we can lose track of time sometimes. You, you came in and I'm looking around. It's like eight minutes after prayer. I'm in there painting letters to get hung on the wall. I don't want to be doing that. When it's 1030, I want to be in here seeking God. Spirit-led services. Well, if it's spirit-led and we're all prepared for ministry, that means we all have to be on the same page. I don't want to be trying to figure out what God wants to do halfway through the song service. Because we've already missed a lot of opportunity. We can come together. We can clear our minds of all the other stuff. We can, we can get the letters out of our brain. We can get you know, what happened on the way to church out of our brain. We can begin to focus on God together. And the Lord can begin to speak in prayer. So that immediately when that service starts, we're already in tune with what God wants to do for that day. And it makes a difference in our services. Worship passionately. And I put passionately, not exuberantly. Um, Any other word that you want to put in there? Because God doesn't always move the same way. If God moves in a a deep way, then, then we need to worship passionately in a deep way. If God moves in a joyous way, then we need to worship passionately in a joyous way. But we ought to be all in when it comes time for worship. Engage with the preaching. Right and sure. Thank you. Amen is an alright thing to say in a Pentecostal church. Sometimes it just gets so quiet in here when the word's going forth. And I understand we're thinkers. By and large, our, 
our congregation. I can see the wheels turning at times, so it doesn't really bother me all that much. But you know, your response to the preached word at times speaks volumes to people that are not familiar with Pentecostal principles. Because there's a thing called social proof. And social proof says that an individual sitting in the pew that's not familiar with what I'm preaching, when I begin to talk about the fact that there's only one God, and there's not a trinity of gods, there's one God who is manifest in the flesh, and, and they're sitting there and they're thinking, that's not what I've been taught. So immediately they're questioning the pulpit. And in that moment, there can be people from the, the pew, as we would say, the chairs, who say, you know what, that's right. Amen. That's what the Bible says. And now they're going, well, wait a minute. All these people believe that too. And their mind is open to the fact that maybe the revelation that's coming from the pulpit is meant for them. And they're open to that change. That's why they call it preaching with the preacher. It's a positive thing. Participating in the altar service. You just ought to make it a practice. Every, every service you're in the altar. If it's not for you, then it's for somebody else. And this is just like basic local church teaching. We're just working through some things, talking about some stuff today. But the altar should always be full. We've gone through this before, but again, XYZ lost person or person that's dealing with whatever was preached on that day. Sometimes the altar can be an embarrassing place. If God leads me or someone else to stand in this pulpit and preach against a, a certain sin, and, and then the altar call is made, and somebody's been sitting there under grave conviction for the entire service because that's exactly what they're dealing with, right? And, and the altar calls me, and once you, if you're, this is you and you're dealing with this, why don't you make your way to the front right now? Let's pray, let's ask God for deliverance. And, and the whole church is just sitting in their seats like this. Do you want to stand there? I don't want to stand there. I already felt uncomfortable when I, when I walked in the doors. And now this guy's reading my mail the whole time. It's like, like you knew I was coming and, and, and all these things. But if it's just a habit, if it's just a um, habit, I guess it's not even a bad way to say it. If it's just what I do, if it's, if it's my baseline principles and I'm going to go to the altar. Then when the altar call is made and the church begins to make their way up and there's a confidence in knowing, right? If, if you are dealing with whatever was preached on, then come on up and deal with it. But also, I, there's people around you that aren't going to say, wow, they must be in gross sin. No, they just know. They, they just go to the altar. That's what they do. Matter of fact, if, if anybody ends up up there seeking deliverance for what's been preached about, they're probably going to be praying with them. Because they don't always go to the altar for themselves. Sometimes they go to the altar to create an atmosphere of prayer and an atmosphere of worship. Sometimes they go to the altar as a, a sign of support and they're there to minister to those that are in need. Participate in the altar service. And ultimately, and this doesn't have to be in the altar, it can be in any part of the service, but seek God to use you in the gifts of the Spirit. We've done some teaching and we've worked through what the gifts of the Spirit are. But there is great benefit in the body ministering to the body. So we have to be seeking after God. God, help me. God, use me in these ways. Next slide. Sincerely care for guests and members. 
And that's important. Sometimes we think about care and follow-up and our mind is all on the, the guest. But you know what? Even after you're a member, it's, it's nice to have people care. Right? It's nice to be cared about. Um, communication outside of scheduled services. You know, like an apostolic viewpoint of, of unity. Daily they're getting together. Daily they're talking to one another. Communicate, hey, how's this part of your life going? Hey, it's thinking about you today. A text message or a phone call. Guest follow-up. Calls, texts, letters, visits, whatever works. Send them a carrier pigeon. I, I'm not caught up in the method. Everybody's going to be different. Some people, and we just have to learn to read people, and we have to figure out what works best. If, if you were to show up at their door sometime during the week after they came to church with a small gift, hey, I just want to say, you would freak them out. What, what do you have my house for? I knew I shouldn't have filled out that card. Other people, you'd make their day. Wow, they cared enough to come to my house. So I don't have the magic formula. I, I don't know what it is. We've talked about this before. I, I don't know. But I know we have to do something. When people come, they have to know that we're happy they came. And a lot can happen between Sunday and Sunday. Somebody can come to a church service on a Sunday morning, have a radical encounter with God, and not make it back the next Sunday. Blows my mind. But it happens all the time. Why? Because a lot can happen from Sunday to Sunday. Doubts creep in. Questions. All of a sudden, these, these spiritual people that never cared anything about the individual's soul up until that point starts giving sage, wise advice. Don't go back there. Life comes up. Things get busy. And, and it just happens. And a phone call on a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday could be the difference between them not making it back and them saying, you know what, I've got to get back there. Following up, caring for them. Um, church presence during intense life moments. Not just negative life moments. We don't only want to be there when things are bad, but weddings and people having babies and people getting sick, going to the hospital, good and bad, whatever it is, there should be a presence of the church there saying, hey, you know what, we're, we're celebrating with you or we're praying with you, but one way or another, we're here for you at all times. Fellowship, we've already talked about that, so I won't dive too much into it. Prayer, you know, if, if somebody's not here on a Sunday or we know somebody's not feeling well, we're going to pray for them in service, but you can pray for them throughout the week. And you can even reach out and let them know you're praying for them. Because that might be a great encouragement to them. We pray for the things that, that we can't change. If somebody's, if somebody's not feeling well, you do not have the ability to heal them. Sorry, you don't. Even if God gives you the gift of healing, you're just a vessel. Right? But if somebody needs a can of soup... Or there's a physical need that you can meet. We meet the needs that we can. That's what the first church did. When we read about in Acts where they, where they sold all their stuff. And they, they made sure everybody had what they needed. They were doing what they could. We help each other out where we can. That's important. <clears throat> Last one. On the flywheel. 
Ministry opportunities. It's important to give people a place to plug in and belong. Believe it or not, as good of a thing as we have going here, people don't want to just be a part of what you have going on in life. They want to be involved. And, biblically, they should be involved. We need to model ministry involvement as the natural byproduct of spiritual growth. And I don't even have time to elaborate as much as I want to on that. But when we look at the Gospels, the more progression that we see, the more growth we see in the life of the disciples and those that follow Jesus, the more expectation that we see from Him upon them to minister. There is a a tit for tat. As you grow, you give. As you grow, you're, you're investing in other people expectation within Scripture. Clearly and regularly defined ministry as meeting needs. Again, I hate the word ministry, or at least the way we use it, because we think ministry and we think you need one of these in your hand. You know, I could talk to you all without this. Like, it's not that big of a room. This isn't ministry. It's a facet of ministry. That's not just, just it's not just Sunday school. We've got a we've got a nice property, and it, it takes a lot to mow it. It takes a lot to plow the parking lot and to make sure the sidewalks are shoveled and to make sure it's clean and to make sure the welcome booth is nice and nice and orderly and to make sure the cleaning supplies are stocked. There's needs in people's life of prayer and communication. And the follow-up stuff that we've talked about. There's administration that goes into a church with scheduling and calendars. And there, there's, I could talk for another two hours about just things that, to do. And we say, well, those are just things to do. No, those are ministry. And so we have to be very intentional in our church as we grow and as we step into the vision that God's given us to make sure that we maintain a, a proper definition of ministry as meeting needs. See a need, meet a need. That was ministry. Excellent job. We need to celebrate that kind of stuff. That's why with our kids, our kids are taking up the offering. Why are they doing that? Because it's important. I want them to grow up knowing I can be involved in the church. That's why, you know, give Jace a microphone and let him pray. Well, that wasn't very effective. Yes, it was. I'm just not trying to do what you think I'm trying to do. We're raising up another generation that are going to be comfortable and confident and competent in doing ministry. Doing ministry. We have to prepare opportunities for involvement for people at every level of spiritual growth. That's where it gets tricky. People come in brand new, don't know much about the Bible, but boy, they're excited. I got a mess. I need to preach a message. Okay. Maybe some, at some point. But there are some things you can do. And I've seen this in, in other churches. And, and even in Grand Rapids, the larger church that we came out of, we had to be very mindful of this. We had to have ministries ready to go before the request came. Because otherwise, we fall into these ridiculous, I'll just call them what they are, the ridiculous preset thing. Somebody comes and says, I really want to serve. How can I help? Well, you can scrub the toilets. What? 
thank you, but no. I mean, that's great, and that is a ministry, and we need it done. But that's not what we need to tell every single person that comes to God and, and wants to find something to do for the Lord. You can scrub the... No, I'm not going to scrub your toilets. But there are things that they can take and they can tap into and they can enjoy doing and feel fulfilled helping prepare for Sunday school or maybe being a helper in, a, in an area. Helping back here in the sound booth. Again, we could go on and on about all the opportunities that are there. We have to have those ready. <clears throat> a couple more slides and I'm done. We have to know, and this is stepping away from the flywheel. Let's go to the next one. We have to know and remind ourselves of the things that only God can do. We're talking about making disciples. That's, that's a very strange way to say it because I can't, I can't make disciples. I'm a builder. I love to build. I build people. We're building a church. I build houses. I just, it, my nature, my personality, I want to build. And so when you say something to me like make disciples, I'm like, let's go. How do I do it? How? And the reality is only God can, can really make disciples. And yet he instructed us to do some things that facilitate him making disciples. Notice he didn't actually say, well, I guess other places he uses the terminology, but he breaks it down here in Matthew. Teach, baptize, teach. I've got to make sure I don't get confused and become frustrated because I, I'm not healing anybody. Well, that's because you can't heal anybody. Only God delivers and provides. Ultimately, it's God who changes hearts. We can inform and teach and love and reach and expose to the word and bring people into an atmosphere of worship. And we can create a, an atmosphere of praise where God's moving and they can feel his presence. But it's only him who's going to change their hearts and open blinded eyes, be that physical or spiritual. Only God can do these things. Talked about praying for spiritual gifts. Well, that's a wonderful thing to do. But let's remember, we're praying to the God who's going to give. I can't say, you know what, bless God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the spirit of prophecy. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to get the gift of knowledge. Not unless God gives it to you. It's Him who does these things. It's Him who forgives sins. It's Him who saves souls. This is just a shotgun approach. We could fill the rest of that black area in that slide with things that really only God can do. But if we're not careful in this, in this desire, in this extreme intense burden and we want to make disciples, I can, can become very frustrated if I don't see this stuff. That's God's job. Alright? Take the pressure off me. Take the pressure off you. That's God's job. It's hard. Because that's what we want to see happen. But that's God's job. Next slide. What can we do? Because the ditch on the other side of the road is say, well, that's God's job. God's going to make disciples. Sure hope I get to see it happen. It, it's a team effort. So there's some things that only God's going to do, and there's some things that we can do. Number one, we can pray. We can pray for our community. We can pray for the needed leadership. I didn't spend the time to go through it on that first page, but ultimately in the, the full vision that God has given me for our church, there's going to be directors over these areas. Directors of benevolence, making sure that people are cared for and, and followed up with. Directors of evangelism, 
directors of Sunday school and administration and worship arts. Five key areas of leadership. I don't know who these people are. Being completely honest, it's entirely frustrating to me sometimes to see what's going to be. This is where I said I can relate to Habakkuk. Because the vision's there and God's saying, don't, don't get frustrated and tearing. Because it's for an appointed time. But we need to begin to pray for God to fill these roles. And pray for our community. We need to reach. Reach out to everyone possible and invite them to church. Bring people with you. You don't have to have your life all together. You don't have to have things perfect. You don't need, I don't have my wallet, but there's a card in there from the UPCI. You don't have to have one of those to invite people to church. Just invite people to church. Put out as many, it's a numbers game. Not everyone we invite is going to come. But if one in 20 comes, one in 50 comes, I don't know what the numbers are. Invite them all. Let's just see. Be a great statistic to figure out. Give. Everything we talked about takes money. Every single thing. Mowing the grass takes money. Or time. I should say that. Everything we talked about takes either money or time. We were paying someone to plow the lot. We're not doing that anymore. So it takes time. I come over. Fortunately, God's blessed me with a plow. I can, I can do that. Uh, everything we do. Outreach. Buying cards. Anything and everything we can give. We can give time and money. And ultimately, do. Do. This is where the rubber meets the road. Do anything and everything that we're able to do to move the flywheel forward. To see people progress and to help them become disciples. This is internal in our church and outside of our church. Because we have children. And we have people at different levels. And so we want this flywheel moving inside of our church. It's weird to think about evangelizing our children that we put in the car and bring to church anyways. But it's more than just physically getting them in the building. It's, it's how do I reach them so that they can have the experience that changes their life? How do I make sure they encounter God the way they need to, to really want to do this for themselves? Because they're all going to reach a point where we can't put them in our car and make them come anymore. Girls. I don't know where that point is. I'm stronger than you. No, I want my kids to experience God for themselves. I'm evangelizing my children. I'm finding areas of all the things all the way around. I'm not going to reiterate. It's been 42 minutes. But it's, it's inside of our church. And it's outside of our church. I'm making time for, for outreach and evangelism. If the only outreach or evangelism that I do is the stuff that's scheduled and falls on a Wednesday or a Sunday, I'm missing the mark. I've got to be reaching people, co-workers and neighbors, and looking for opportunities to invite people. Seeing needs and meeting them around the church. Acts 16 and 10, and I'll close with this scripture. <clears throat> We're going to pray over these areas together. I love this passage. Acts 16 and 10 says that after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. How many people seen a vision? 
Anyone? One. After he, singular, had seen the vision. Immediately we, it's more than two, we can read it in scripture, but at least two, after that, one person saw the vision, communicated to the group, the group endeavored. That means they began to work to go into the city that they were called to with a confidence, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel to them. And stand back and say, man, that's great. God's going to use you to do it. That's going to be wonderful. That's your vision. No, they said God has called us to this city. We have to endeavor to go. We got to get there. That's the mindset that we have to take as a church. It can't be an acceptance of the mission of our church. You can't look up here at the pulpit and say, that's, that's your vision, Pastor. God bless you. It'll never happen. This is a corporate vision. This is a vision for our church. We have to adopt the mindset that that's where we're going. That's what we're doing. We, we are going to go together into the city. And I, I don't even feel it for a city. I realize I'm preaching so far beyond where we are. It's not just about Fergus Falls. This is a, a regional revival epicenter. People from Alex. Joanne, you drove here from East Grand Forks today. That's just mind-blowing. <laughs> That's a long way. But God is, is, is spreading a, a large area. And there's, there's communities all around us that don't have churches. So I can't say that it's Fergus Falls. This is just where the building is. This is where we're meeting. But there is, there is regional revival in our future. We have to work the plan. We have to go after this, this process of making disciples. So I'm going to ask you to come. And we're just going to spend a few minutes this morning as we close the service. We're not going to play music and have a typical altar call. But I want us to gather together up front and just to pray over these, these key roles, these key things that we need to do. In fact, Samuel, can you put that uh, second slide back up there? It's a good visual for us as we're praying. And we're going to pray together. Hey folks, Pastor Jason here again. I pray the message you just heard inspires you to draw closer to God. We also believe at United Church that it's very important to be connected to a local assembly. If you're in the Fergus Falls or surrounding area in Minnesota, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. If you're not, and you're looking for a local church where you live, we'd love to help with that as well. Take the time to stop by our website, fergusunited.org. Send us a message letting us know where you live, and we would gladly connect you with a great local assembly. God bless. Until next time.